Yeah, good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Point and Click Radio. This is the bi-weekly computer show here on KZYX, the place where we answer your computer questions and bring you the latest computer and internet news. I'm Jim Hyde. And I'm Toby Molina at the Point and Click Research Desk. Support for KZYX and Point and Click comes from our members and Coyote Valley Casino, just off Highway 101 in Redwood Valley. Open 10 a.m. to 1 a.m. daily, Angelina's Grill and the Sage House offer indoor dining as well as curbside pickup. Menu and more at coyotevalleycasino.com. Support for KZYX also comes from our members and SPACE, the School of Performing Arts and Cultural Education in Ukiah. SPACE announces their summer camps running through July 16th for children ages 8 through 17 with activities in dance, drama, sketch, comedy, and art. More information, spaceperformingarts.org and 707-462-9370. And Bob Lawton has the night off. So it's uh, it's just two of us here coming via the coast, via Zoom, with, uh, with the great assistance of Eddie Engineering in the Ukiah studio. And um, we are going to, uh, we have a usual grab bag of news items that we'll cover in our first half hour. In our second half hour, um, we've got a treat. We are going to be joined via Zoom by Sage Statham, who is the manager of the Mendocino Community Network, one of the oldest, if not the oldest, internet service provider on the Mendocino Coast, and um, one of the few... Uh, internet service providers worldwide that is run by a local school district. And we'll talk a little bit about the history of MCN. It's a really interesting story and about what MCN is doing now and um, how MCN is is contributing to the ongoing effort to bring broadband to the boonies, to bring high-speed internet to those of us in this part of the world. First up, though, we want to start out with our tip of the week. And we're going to talk this week about fishing. Not the kind you do with a rod and reel, but the kind that nefarious actors do out there in the dark corners of cyberspace where they are sending us emails and other communications that are designed to trick us into surrendering confidential information like passwords and credit card information, social security numbers, and the like. And here to talk to us about phishing is our own Toby Molina at the Point and Click Research Desk. Toby, let's go fishing. All righty. So um, phishing comes in many forms, but specifically we're talking today about phishing emails, phishing websites, um, bad actors who are looking to grab your username, your password, your credit card information, etc., by fooling you in one way or another. Um, the key to running a credential-stealing phishing scam is creating a replica of a secure website or email that's good enough to fool most or a few people. Um, enough people. Enough people to make it worth their while. Um, so with the best of fakes, those links take you to the real site. They pass it along to the real site while also grabbing your credentials. So these are the these are those emails that come in that claim that they're from Wells Fargo or from Bank of America, 
and you know you need to up, update your account information or we've detected potential fraud and and log in and they look all for the world like when you're looking at it in your email program they look legit they've got the logos the colors and that sort of thing and we're used to looking at a lot of these things at a glance yeah right. do you look at the url do you really pay attention to the various red flags that might be there Oftentimes, I mean, I can say for myself, I, I have to slow myself down to make sure that I'm paying close enough attention. Does it say PayPal.com or does it say PYAPAL.com? <laughs> right. you know, and and right. those are the very subtle differences that they depend on at least a small handful of people um, not noticing because it's cheap to buy, you know, these lists of email addresses on the dark uh, on web. The dark web. Sure. Um, it costs next to nothing to generate, you know, send this out to 100,000, 200,000 people and wait for two people to be on the hook. Sure. So, um, of course, not every phishing page is well done. Um, yeah. Some use the wrong colors or fail to match the page they're, they're trying to imitate. Um, others have totally unconvincing URLs. Um, but the fact is that even those lame attempts can persuade a couple of people sure um, if you ever receive anything that makes you feel panicked you should take a moment and take another look right, right. because anybody who's legitimately doing business with you is not trying to coat you in flop sweat <laughs> yes. they're not update trying to update your information immediately if right. there's that sense of urgency, urgency fear um, during it's probably not legit during the um, you know, the era of, of COVID, we were, it was a just sort of hog heaven for fraudsters because we were all on edge. We were all sort of, in, not all, many people are intrinsically scared, sure. uncertain, sure. waiting for a stimulus check. Right. And so there's a lot of opportunity to capitalize on people's vulnerability. And so we've seen this sort of blossoming once again, of uh, of a lot of phishing during the time of COVID. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a period in which um, people were being told that if you get an email that says something about this, your stimulus check, it's phishing because it should say your economic stimulus check. Oh, wow. And wow. so, um, but of course, there was such a sense of urgency about getting that money that it was very likely that if you put something together that looked halfway believable that you would get people to you know add their information and that's you know it's it's heartbreaking so very wrong i've noticed too that a lot of these emails are not exactly written with the most accurate grammar and most precise proofreading um very often i will see emails that say update your informations with an s on, <laughs> on the end or there'll be a space there'll be exclamation points, you know, in it. Uh, I update your information, exclamation point. And, you know, Wells Fargo typically doesn't use exclamation points. <laughs> there have been times when I've received legitimate emails from my bank or from some other institution, credit card company, etc., cetera, um, wanting me to check my personal information or et cetera. There, there shouldn't be a link in that email. But I find right. even those emails that don't seem to want me to do anything suspicious. So what I do is... I do nothing with that email. I go to Wells Fargo Bank of America Savings Bank That's... Um, of Mendocino 
and I start from there. That really is the, the rule number one. Don't ever click through on an email. Just right. don't. It's 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 that simple. If I got something, I had a whole extravaganza last when we were on two weeks ago of, yeah. of a, a very sophisticated uh, attempt to uh, uh, to get some money out of me through bank uh, through fraud posing as Bank of America. Yeah. And so I hung up the phone with this person who was trying to freak me out. Yeah. And called Bank of America, and they said, "Yeah, that's not real." So there were several red flags, but the most important is somebody who is trying to scare you. Mm-hmm. An email that's trying to scare you, a person trying to scare you, a phone call that's trying to scare you, um, it's likely that it's not real. So, and and so just right hang now. up, and I called Bank of America directly. I called the number, and they were spoofing the Bank of America number. So even on your caller ID, it looked yeah, like... They, they, yeah, he kept saying to me, well, look, look, I'm calling from the number, which, of course, in and of itself is <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. that's a little bit of a red flag. <laughs> um, but uh, I just hung up and called Bank of America, and they took care of everything for me. But I, I could even see, I, you, know, I, you know, I was preparing for today. For this, and, for this, for this, for this segment. And two weeks ago, yeah. that would, they were able to get me on the hook long enough that I, I knew something was wrong from the get-go. But even... You know, yeah. I, who spend my time reading about technology and immersed in technology, they grab me at first. Well, it's, you know, it's a, it's a different mindset because, you know, if you're wandering through a dark alley in the middle of a city in the middle of the night, you're more attuned to the fact that, hey, something could go wrong when I'm here. When you're sitting comfortably in your house and you're looking at your phone and an email comes up or your phone rings, you're less... Your 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 hackles aren't up. You know your 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 sense of. I was annoyed danger. because my dinner was on the table. <laughs> exactly, that's right. <laughs> I so, wasn't. So you did exactly yeah. the right thing in that case, and that was I'm going to hang up and call their fraud detection hotline. And in the phishing case, basically what you just said is exactly the right rule. Number one is don't click on the link in the email right. from Wells Fargo or B of A or whoever. Close that email off. Delete it. Go into your browser and then go to B of A or Wells Fargo or whatever the alleged or PayPal um, and see what you're see what kind of messages you're seeing there. Precisely. I mean, that's the first rule of thumb, which is if just, you know, use your spidey sense. And if you're the tiniest bit concerned, hang up, delete, whatever, and start fresh and call them directly. Yeah. Um, There are a few rules of thumbs for how to avoid phishing scams um, is check the web address, check the URL. Up at the top, in, your, the in, the top the in the address, bar. in the browser bar. Just look at the URL. If it's eBay, you know, if it's, it may have eBay in the URL, but if it's got some funky other stuff in there, that's likely taking just a way of getting you to look at it, glance at it, and think it's legit. Yeah. So keep an eye on, um, sometimes they'll try to obscure the actual domain portion of the URL. Mm-hmm. Again, if you're in doubt, just type in paypal.com yourself and go to your own account and see if there's anything funny going on. Right. Uh, right. Don't, follow those, um, don't follow those URLs. Now, there's a variation of phishing email that, um, that I'm seeing more and more of and people have been reporting on on the on the MCN uh, announce list in fact where the email isn't actually asking you to enter any information it says you know 
Your subscription to Norton Utilities has been renewed and your credit card has been charged at $129. If you feel this is an error, call this 800 number. What are they what are they after there? That's they're not Well, they're after uh, can you confirm your credit card number? Uh, or can you give us your credit card number so that we can credit you? That's oh, more yeah. likely what's going to happen is is you're going to get on and say, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't do this. And they'll say, oh, I'm so sorry. If you'll give us your credit card number, we'll credit you for the you know $199 we charge you for. Right. Do you see it on your credit card? No. Oh, no. I, I don't see that here. Oh, it's right. it hasn't gone through yet, but we still need to reverse the charges. Mm -hmm. That's more than likely what you're going to find. If you are somebody who actually has an account, they might ask for your credentials. Um, right. And it may seem innocent enough if somebody asks for a you know a, a username and password for some you know ice you know a custom ice cream site that you've used, um, but that can often be the gateway to other things. So you shouldn't be giving up any of your own personal information because some of it, you know, relatively um, simple information can lead down the path to their being able to crack the door to be able to get more information because if they have this upfront information maybe they can now dig in deeper and get more information that leads them down the trail to Cross getting reference it right. with all the other lists that are out there on right. the dark web and learn more about you than what you provided when you only said well my credit card expiration date is december 2024 okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. And sometimes they'll get a, an expiration date or a CCV, CVV, CVV, a CVV yeah. number. That's really the that's the key is is getting your CVV. Um, another thing to look for is for the um, hypertext transfer protocol HTTP um, S, which tells you that HTTPS in a URL tells you that it's secure. You see the little lock mm -hmm. that tells you. Um, that tells you that that site is secure, that nobody is, like um, uh, when, uh, like at a gas station, sometimes they have, I can't, the word is escaping me for what they have, but they'll put inside of a pump, a skimmer. So right. they'll take your credit card. If something isn't secure, there's the possibility of someone being able to skim your information from a website once you're, when you're putting it in. So be sure you see that HTTPS colon slash slash that tells you the site is secure. You'll often see a little lock symbol. Yeah. Um, and I think um, Chrome takes a step beyond that, and they actively mark the site not secure yeah. if it's just HTTP. Right. So keep your eyes on that address bar. Keep your, you know, just be aware. Um, and you could say, well, what is what about a legitimate site that just hasn't gotten around to going secure? No, no, that's just not a thing. It's not a thing. Not a. It's not a <clears throat> if it is, it isn't a legitimate site because it HTTPS is everywhere. Is and years and yeah. years old now. And um, even if it's not a fraud, it means that they are not taking your uh, security seriously. And so you shouldn't be putting right. your information, regardless of whether they mm -hmm. are in it to do something um, crafty or they're just being sloppy. You really shouldn't be inputting any sensitive information into a site that does not have. That is not secure. That's a great point. Um, you know, consider the source. Don't click links in email messages from people you don't know. That sounds very simple, but when somebody gets you riled up and it's, it's telling you something good, something really good, something really bad, or you're just curious. I mean, I said that to you today. Do you think it's okay if I click this? Because <laughs> I was kind of curious. I wanted to see what the resulting site, and you said, 
No. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Feeling lucky? Yeah. Sometimes your curiosity gets the best of you or you get yourself, you know, wound up about wanting to see what's at the other end of a, of a um, URL string. Yeah. Um, and if the link takes you to a login page, really <laughs> step on the brakes. Yeah. Um, you know, it's possible, um, you know, that you might get an email from your bank, um, although most banks avoid that type of communication. Yeah. Um, you know, Bank of America texts me, but they do not text me from a phone number. They text me from like a weird hyphenated mm. number. Yeah, right. With seven digits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're they're trying to stand out so that I can't be taken. Right. Um, but they are never going to ask you. They're never going to take you someplace to put sensitive information. If they do, they're dumb and don't do it. Exactly. Just go to Bank of America directly. Go to saving the savings bank site and log in yourself. Good stuff. <clears throat> There's a um, there are a lot of resources on the web dealing with scam emails and phishing scams. Uh, the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, has some great uh, uh, websites. A great website called How to Recognize and Avoid Phishing Scams. Um, and if you just go to the search engine of your choice and search for the phrase "spotting scam email." spotting scam email you'll get a lot of results back that um from uh from uh from not only the federal uh trade commission but from a lot of security companies and, and websites so i strongly encourage you to do a little more research educate yourself as we always recommend here on point and click radio um and you'll be a, you'll be a safer web uh citizen uh, one other thing to think about is uh, creating bespoke emails, oh, email yeah. addresses for, um, you know, your more um, your trusted financial institutions. In other words, I have a I have my own domain, and uh, I know that MCN makes it possible you could have several. Yeah, you get I think five aliases. Or ten inboxes when yeah, you, when you have an MCN, um, I'm not sure how many. I'm sure it depends on the the type of plan you have. Whatever Gmail accounts are free. Yeah. Um, but I have a savings bank at elfelf.com, uh -huh. and that's the one I've provided to them. So uh, I know, and I, you don't use that email address for anything else. Anything else, yeah. And so anything that comes to my personal email address, where the vast majority of the phishing happens for me, because that's my most used email address, I know it's not real. Yeah. So That's something to think tip. about, if you have a bunch of email addresses, you haven't done anything with them, and you thought, you're thinking, you know, what are these for? Why do I why, need why, 10 Yeah, why do I need these? I only need one. It's a nice way. It also helps you to track who's selling your information. Sure. Um, if you uh, use a different email for eBay and a different email for, you know, a variety of different vendors, and you start to get junk to those email addresses, you and not phishing, but rather just like emails from other vendors, right. you'll know eBay or PayPal or whomever is selling your information. Right. And it's a good it's a good way of tracking who's doing what. So you basically create a separate. This is like a bonus tip of the week. You create <laughs> a separate email address because your provider either gives you a bunch of them in the case of MCN and probably Pacific Internet too, or um, you go out and get free ones and so you can get them from, you know, uh, Mac.com, you can get Apple Gmail. addresses, you can get Gmail accounts, yeah. um, Hotmail is still a thing. 
Um, and then so you just create an email address, an account for just one particular thing. Right. And, and then, then keep, of course, maybe keep a little note for yourself, not with the password, of course, because you don't want to keep your passwords on a pad, right. but just um, maybe it says what the email address is and who, who you use it for. I like it. Uh, and it's a great way to, to um, put a lid on the phishing if you're not sure um, where things are coming from. Yep. And it's a great way to track who's selling your information. Yeah. Good stuff. True. I like it. Anti-phishing tips and any bonus set up multiple email accounts tip from, uh, from Toby Molina at the Point and Click Research Desk. Thank you, as always. You're welcome. It is uh, about 21 minutes after the hour, and if you've just tuned in, this is Point and Click Radio, the bi-weekly computer show here on KZYX with yours truly, Jim Hyde and Toby Molina at the Point and Click Research Desk. Bob Lawton has the night off, and we've got about 10 minutes or so before um, our guest, uh, stage, Sage Statham, joins us from uh, MCN. If you've got a question or a comment on what we've talked about um, or of anything else relating computer to computers and internet, feel free to give us a buzz at 895-2448. We're at 895-2448 to reach us here in the studio. In the meantime, um, a couple of news items. An interesting new uh, announcement from Microsoft just today uh, as you will recall, a couple of weeks ago, Microsoft introduced uh, Microsoft Windows 11, a new version of Windows that is going to be shipping starting la uh, later in the year on new computers and then available as an upgrade probably earlier in uh, early in 2022. Well, <clears throat> just today, Microsoft announced another different version of Windows, and it's a version of Windows that runs in the cloud. It's called Windows 365 and it launches the cloud PC era. I'm reading here from a PC World news article, Windows 365 is Microsoft's name for the cloud PC, a new Microsoft service that will stream Windows in the cloud to Android phones, tablets, Macs, and more. And that's really kind of a whole new sea change in the way that operating systems are going to run, um, where the operating system will run not off of a hard drive on your drive uh, in your computer, but over the cloud. Um, it's brand new. We'll talk about it more as it matures and as we learn more about it. But in the meantime, I think we've got a call. So let's bring up the phones and welcome our first caller. Hello, you are on point and click. You're on the air. Good. Um, I... Are you in the actual studio, or are you calling in on some electronic line? I am at home and connecting via Zoom and a high-speed Internet connection. Well, the audio is so muddy and so confused, and it sounds like you're talking through a culvert or a piece of pipe or something, that when you gave an address, I could not tell at all what the address was. It was a e some sort of electronic uh, email address or something like that. So I was wondering, and I guess huh. I spotted you as not really being in the studio. So good oh, that's for me. That's interesting. Yeah, no, we're, we're connected to the Ukiah studio, and our engineer is uh, listening carefully to everything that uh, that we say, and, um, and and we're not getting that on our end. Are you listening over the air, or are you streaming us? I'm getting it over the air. Interesting. Wow. Well, so, um, you're, I'm, you're, I, you're, coming, 
You're coming through better on the telephone. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, um, anyway, my, that would, was my comment. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry about the. Uh, sorry if there's if there's an issue with the signal. Um, we haven't heard that from from anyone else. Maybe our very next caller will say, "Yeah, you know, I've not been able to hear you guys either." So, um, if you uh, if you have a call or a heavy comment or a question, or you want to say that you can't hear us all that well, you can give us a buzz at 895-2448. 895-2448 is the number to reach us in the studio here on Point and Click Radio. <clears throat> We're about five minutes or so away from bringing our guest, Sage, the manager of MCN, onto the air to talk about MCN, the Mendocino Community Network, um, its origins in the early 90s, I believe, and um, what it's up to now, uh, what kinds of new services they're about to be providing, and how the uh, how service has how internet and the internet broadband picture has evolved um, in this part of the world. It used to be that uh, old timers and the internet and online world, like me, will remember having to guy having to dial Santa Rosa to get on to uh, services like America Online and CompuServe. And needless to say, that was not cheap, and that was one of the reasons that. MCN was uh, was was founded by some very forward-looking teachers and administrators at the Mendocino Unified School District to bring local dial-up access to this part of the world to eliminate that need to um, make expensive toll calls to get online, and of course to bring. Um, internet access into the school districts and to teachers. And from there, they've taken that ball and run with it. And, uh, and we'll talk about that in just a few minutes with, uh, with, our, with our friend Sage from MCN. But yeah, Windows 365 sounds interesting. <clears throat> you will, excuse me, you will theoretically be able to run Windows on a browser, on a phone, on a tablet, on a Mac, and it's, it'll be interesting to see how that performs, what kind of internet connection you need to have. Microsoft was kind of cagey about the, uh, um, about the system requirements, basically saying, um, if you can stream a movie, then you'll be able to run three Windows 365. So theoretically being able to run Windows 365 on an iPad or an iPhone. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I don't know what kind of experience that would be to run it on your phone. Yes. But on a good-sized iPad, um, a good-sized tablet, that wouldn't be bad. Interesting. And, um, and I think one of the interesting things in this, too, and, and again, this is not available yet, um, at least not available to you and me. It's available to businesses starting on the 2nd of August. But one interesting uh, benefit to it is that because you won't be and because businesses won't be running a separate version of Windows on every single computer in their in their big giant office buildings, one version of Windows, one updated, one virus free version of uh, Windows will be running on all of those computers, which could potentially be a big advantage for uh, for security. 
Uh, we've got one more call, um, <clears throat> and then we'll bring uh, Sage on to the air. Uh, in the meantime, let's welcome our next call on Point and Click Radio. Hi, you're on the air. Yes, hi. No comment. Are you there? Yes, you're on the air. Okay. Um, I think you're, I think it sounds like you're calling on a, uh, from a mobile phone and your connection is pretty bad. So um, if we're able to take calls later on in the show, uh, maybe you'll be able to, uh, to get into a better, a higher location <laughs> on your property or get to a landline or something like that. Um, I'm sorry about that. <clears throat> but this is Point and Click Radio. On, uh, on uh, KZYX, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo. And our guest, Sage from MCN, is patiently waiting in the, in the Zoom waiting room. And um, I believe he is connected now. Hello, Sage. Welcome. Can you hear me? Hello, Jim. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Crystal clear, sir. Thank you for joining. Excellent. So do me a favor and pronounce your last name for me. I'm not sure if I've gotten that right. Uh, you, uh, it's you're not the only one. Don't worry about it. So, uh, it, the the actor Jason Statham he pronounces the th together. We pronounce it Statham. So lo- the silence on the h. There. All right. Yeah. I, I am. I am. I've, I've committed that to memory, and I will. I will not make that mistake again. So, <laughs> no problem, Jim. Uh, manager of the Mendocino Community Network <clears throat> is joining us, and um i think maybe years ago bob and i talked to um to mitch we had mitch in the studio in filo to talk about mcn that's how long it's been uh that uh, that that uh, that we've got you guys on to uh onto the show and um i appreciate you taking the time and uh and, and joining us tonight to uh to talk about mcn and talk about kind of uh its origins and what uh what what, what you're up to now I don't know if you heard, I kind of gave a little teaser on the history of MCN um, a couple of minutes ago, where yes. flashing back to the uh, the mid-90s. Yeah, yeah it, it was early 90s. I, I was actually still in high school at the time um, in the... Uh, it was actually in the 90, I believe 93 uh, was when the first connection came in. And, and at that point, the... Uh, the entire internet connection uh, to the school was on a, a 56k leased line from the Ames Research Center. So, wow. like a single dial-up connection for the for the entire school, and um, that uh, the school uh, had received a, a grant from NASA and um, uh, I believe it was the Annenberg Foundation to uh, to help write uh, curriculum um, for how to use the internet in the classroom. Uh, because in the early 90s, there there was no you know there there was no internet in the classroom, so our, our teachers were uh, got to use it and figure out you know what is this internet thing, and, and at that point there there literally was no World Wide Web. The first browsers hadn't even come out at that point, so we were still just uh, you know TurboGopher and FTP uh, news groups, uh, you know the, the 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 old school internet, you know, but you, you still had to kill the robot to get online, you know. <laughs> Yeah, right, right. And and so, as I recall, um, and, and this I remember talking to Rennie, um, Rennie Innes, one of the one of the founders of, of MCN, um, saying that that ran that grant ran out, and it was like, well, we've got this is like, you know, once you have oxygen, you don't want to you want to you don't want to give it up. 
Um, yes, and, uh, and the way the story goes, I mean, people literally were, uh, you know, walking up and knocking on our door, saying, "Hey, we hear you have internet here," kind of thing. So, yeah, it was it was uh, like like you were saying earlier, you know, it was a long distance phone call to uh, to Santa Rosa for you know the AOLs and the CompuServe's. Um, so that was exactly we we had already had modems kind of set up for teachers to remotely access. So it was a you know this is a way could it continue to pay for itself and to give access access to our local community and that's when uh, MCN kind of was formed and, and, and became an actual thing. So the, the actual MCN.org domain has been registered since 1994. So that's the, you know, kind of what we consider the, you know, the, the very beginning of it. Yeah, yeah. And that was a, I mean, that was a gutsy move to go from, or, or not go from being a school district because it remained a school district, for but for a school district to say, we're going to go in business. Yeah, and, and well, schools schools do run businesses. You know, the, there's a, a within a school district, you have enterprise funds, but it's very rare to, for them to run an ISP. Uh, the most the two most common businesses that schools run is they are book publishers because they publish books that students write, and then the other is a school's cafeteria program is all is often a business that sells food to the community and things like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, as an ISP uh, at the time, there there actually were a lot of universities that were running ISPs, um, but f as far as we know, uh, at the time we were the only K-12 run ISP, and in the the years that I've been involved, we have run across one other K-12 school that had run an ISP, and we actually discovered them like six months after they had just sold off their stuff and they were now a private ISP. So mm -hmm. and so we, we once again claimed our title as the only K-12 run ISP uh, in the country. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. And it has made a huge difference. I mean, obviously, back then, it was dial-up without having to make a toll call. And yeah, in absolutely. rural areas, because, you know, I've been a, a technology journalist since, you know, since the early 80s. And um, I noticed that, you know, and I'd been on the likes of CompuServe and The Source and, and then AOL um, uh, by making exp expensive toll calls. Um, and at, around 1997, it occurred to me that... There must be stories like this around the country where there are rural areas everywhere that are not being served by um, by major providers because the numbers weren't there. It wasn't worth their while. So in, in July of 1997, I went on a 10-week, a 10,000-mile, 26-state road trip from here to uh, Maine and then back again through the south and i stopped at about a dozen or so different small towns and rural areas to interview people who had um oftentimes um uh um public organizations like libraries um in other cases they were they were uh, private companies that in one way or another were doing innovative things to bring internet access into those communities and i wrote an article for a magazine called civic.com that is now long long gone it's still on the internet archive you can find it if you look hard enough um, but it was an amazingly fun project to um learn about and talk to these people who i called kind of digital barn raisers you know the the, the right. 20th century equivalent of these people aren't going to come and do it for us from the outside. We have to do it ourselves if we want it. And, um, and, and MCN was the inspiration for that. 
Yeah, and 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 unfortunately, we're still kind of in that situ- that same space in a lot of areas. You know, we've moved from no internet in a lot of these rural areas to very limited area. I mean, uh, you know, we we started off as a dial-up company, and we actually still offer dial-up to customers, and we actually have active dial-up customers still. Wow. And I actually spoke to one uh, yesterday who was, uh, you know, talking about her services, and she dial-up still was her only option where she lived other than satellite which was kind of cost prohibitive for her so she has stuck with the dial-up because she's you know five miles out of a dirt road somewhere that just nobody else comes to well that's yeah your your point is exactly on the mark it's like this is this is this is deja vu all over again except now it's not about making expensive toll calls to get a dial-up connection but it's about how do i get broadband how do i get fast internet something that will allow me to do zoom calls or do distance learning or use most modern websites let's face it dial-up is not a great experience for using the majority of websites out there um not to mention of course the netflixes and youtubes and all the other you know all the and gaming and all the things that people use for 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 the internet these days and, and we've we've found with especially during COVID in the last year that was a big problem for people, yeah. um, where where that you know being able to remotely go to school and be able to remotely do your job you know not not every person has a fast enough connection that they can or, or even works a job where you can work remotely and even with the uh, speeds that we offer uh, with our fusion and our DSL service that there was some people who the the upload speeds just weren't fast enough mm-hmm. um, and we. Have actually lost quite a few customers uh, to Comcast during the pandemic because they had a, uh, a service that had a better upload service than we could provide in certain areas. And we were totally understanding of that, you know, that we, you know, people like MCN, they want to support us, you know, because we are, you know, still benefiting the local school district. But at the end of the day, they, you know, needed to be able to get their student online or and to do Zoom class and, you know, one meg of upload just wasn't enough for them. Sure. Well, you know, as as you well know, I personally can relate to that. I used to have <laughs> two T1 lines through MCN, mm-hmm. and that was the best that I could get, you know, about, uh, you know, here where I am, about uh, eight miles south of, of the town of Mendocino. And um, and then this, uh, this further reach thing came in. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, and further further reach has been doing a great thing down in the you know they're covering uh you know they started down in the you know Wallala Point Arena area and have you know moved north uh you know, well to- into the, well, right into my backyard here into Mendocino, um and they're covering a lot of people where you know we're not able to get great service to them and it's a, it, it's a really good thing. Yeah, yeah, and I think that for for rural areas that really amounts to a. Um, a combination of players because not every player is going to not every provider is going to be able to serve every individual use case depending on how far down that dirt road they might be or how many trees they might have or whether they're in a valley or on top of a ridge it's just you know there's so very much a not a one-size-fits-all kind of uh, kind of uh, environment here this is not this is not absolutely 
<laughs> exactly, and it's, you know, really, if if the uh, you know if the federal government wanted to do something like they did with the electrification of the you know country, where they just say it doesn't matter where you are, we're going to run power cables to you, and they did the same thing with fiber optics, where it doesn't matter where you are, we're going to run fiber optics everywhere, you know, you could really make a huge difference. Um, but right now, the you know the political will has. Is not quite there. There's there's a lot of movement in that direction. The some of the infrastructure bills that they're pushing right now includes a lot of money for broadband and for fiber, um, but it's uh, you know it, it's it, there's a lot of miles of fiber that need to be put in to really uh, um, you know serve every single home. You know I think the county's current studies. Uh, you know, they're looking at, I believe, the numbers like eighty million dollars to you know run fiber throughout the entire county you know it's a it's a big pretty big number for um you know for something that's you you might look at and be like oh this is just internet but it's in our modern day you know it's school it's work it's 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 access to health and medicine to be able to go to a doctor's appointment you know it all it's um and actually, a lot of uh, I, some of the things I was very happy with in the with the COVID changes was, you know, they they started allowing people to you know make court appearances via Zoom. I think they should keep that. I think that's great. You know, if I when I get a ticket, you know, a, a parking ticket in another state, and I want to protest it, I don't want to have to hang around in that state to contest it. You know, I want to be able to zoom in and contest my ticket. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I think, you know, um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to use the phrase, you know, benefits of the pandemic because there are, right. at the end of the day, there are no benefits to it. But an interesting side effect has Absolutely. been a, a big embracing of, um, of, of, of remote communications, whether that's people being able to work in remote areas. And that has, I, I know from talking to local realtors, that has helped fuel the um, you know the, the the housing market in this part of the world for better and worse um, yes. in terms of affordability, but it's enabling people to live and work in areas like this and pay taxes according to that are commensurate to you know um, um, higher salaried jobs that they might have been you know having to go into an office in Silicon Valley to do. Um, yeah, and sh and shop locally, and all the other stuff that they do when they live here. The rest, yeah, and and, yeah. and of course, you know, uh, distance education is huge. Of course, because a lot of the schools have been closed, and and school has been Zoom again for better and worse. Um, and telemedicine. I, I myself had a couple of have had several um, uh, telemedicine appointments in the last year or so, um, and a couple with doctors in the Bay Area, and that is a lot better than having to drive to Burlingame. So, yes. um, and, but all of that, the common denominator to all of those things is the availability of broadband. And yes. now I know, so, so talk to me about what MCN is doing in the broadband area, what kind of services um, you're offering and where, and what, uh, and, and I, from our chat, uh, when we ran into each other on the street in Mendocino the other day, um, there's some new stuff coming too. Absolutely. So, um, you know, historically, uh, you know, we started off as a dial-up company, you know, providing people internet over the phone. Um, we're now offering, you know, we're, we still have a few people with their legacy DSL service. We're offering uh, a, the Fusion phone service in Mendocino and Fort Bragg, which combines your home phone service and your internet. Um, and then we're also offering a digital phone service for anyone who has a high-speed internet connection that can be with further reach, that can be uh, with Comcast, that can be uh, 
with your fusion line. Um, uh, you know, a, a low cost uh, a phone service, you know, residential service for about $21 a month. Um, so you can, um, it's advantage of, you know, low cost phone service disadvantage. It needs the power and internet to be working, you know. Right. And then uh, the new product you were alluding to is our open air internet service, which is, uh, we, we just uh, announced last week. Uh, it's rolling out in Fort Bragg right now. Uh, we have seven access points uh, set up around town where we are um, doing basically a very similar thing to what Further Reach is doing down in the South Coast. Uh, but we're doing a, um, because we're doing it in a, you know, a, I wouldn't exactly call Fort Bragg an urban area, but it's, you know, it's it's the inside of a city where we have, you know, there's not a lot of trees. We, can, we have clean light of sight. So sure. we can offer a higher speed connection. So our open air service, uh, you know, we're offering a, a 50 megabit down, 10 megabit up connection for $49.95 and a 100 megabit down, 20 megabit up connection for $69.95. So it's a, you know, a very fast connection, nice. um, you know, for, for affordable price you know the i believe the county's um goal right now is under 70 dollars for a 100 meg connection and we you know we just came in right under that on our 100 down 20 up mm -hmm. and that that upload makes a really big difference when you're doing you know when for your zoom calls and for you know if you're anytime you're setting video for your where your you know your doctor's calls especially when you have you know other you know kids in the house trying to you know watch netflix while you're trying to have um, have a meeting you know having that extra bandwidth really makes a big difference yeah yeah that's a that's a whole interesting thing in the in the in the internet world um connections are 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 almost always um, asymmetrical. The download speed is much faster than the upload speed, and that have has always kind of made sense because most of us are doing a lot more surfing or we're streaming Netflix. Um, we're taking data down rather than sending data out. Um, the whole the Zoom world, the Zoom era has changed that a bit because now when you're participating in a Zoom call or any kind of video call, you're sending a lot of data out. So that upload speed becomes um, suddenly kind of more important than it used to be when all you were doing mostly was sending out emails or, or sending photos as attachments to friends. So, um, so the, extra, the, the extra upload speed uh, makes a difference. Yeah. So, and for, and when you're talking about photos too, don't don't forget all the cloud services too. You know, everybody's backing their photos up to the cloud, and they're backing their computers up, and all of that is uploading data to the internet. And uh, you know, TCP communication uh, is a there's a lot of really good uh, there's jokes about TCP communications. You know, and so I you know I tell you a UDP joke, but you probably wouldn't get it. So um, <laughs> that's great. Yes. So, anyways, the, the, all the all the uh, computer geeks out there are really appreciating that one, and everyone else is just kind of going, "Huh? What is he talking about?" <laughs> um, so, with with TCP communication, if you have a lot of data going out and you're trying to bring in a lot of data at the same time, and you can't get a message out saying, "Hey, we're ready for more data," your act your download speeds can suffer because of your upload speeds. So, as your computer's backing up, suddenly your Netflix stops working, and it doesn't make sense because nothing. To appears to be going on meanwhile your phone's just got plugged in and it's backing up all of the photos to the cloud and you can't figure out why your internet's not working so that extra upload makes a big difference you know so uh, you know a, a, a fusion connection that we're offering right now in Mendocino and Fort Bragg you're getting you know one to two megabits up uh, if you're on a Comcast Xfinity type connection you're usually getting about a five megabit up connection and so we're you know with ours we went to 10 and 20 so that you know we had a nice big uh, 
upstream pipe for people to be able to, you know, use these cloud services in a reasonable way. Right, right, right. So um, within the Fort Bragg area, and what is that, what is that new service called? Uh, open air internet. Open air internet. Um, do you have a rough geographical boundary of where that's available in the Fort Bragg area? So we, we have uh, equipment on Bald Hill, so we can hit a lot of town. And then we have, we're, we've set up what's called a micro pop architecture where we are trying to use um, uh, multiple uh, antennas around town so that we can put out a, um, you know, a faster signal over a short distance. So we have connections from Bald Hill as far as the Boatyard Shopping Center, which is a, like a four-mile link, you know, we're, and we're getting 100 megs down, 20 megs up, you know, all the way to the Boatyard. Um, and so so most of the places, you know, almost anywhere in town we can cover. Um, we've got um, two additional access points that we're working on right now so that we can get down into the harbor. And then once we finish those, we want to, uh, to get another one kind of in the north corner of town because there's a kind of the uh, all of the glass beach area is a little bit of a dead area if, um, just because of some of the trees on Bald Hill and stuff. We can't quite get up into that northwest corner. Um, and then. On the east, on the east side of town, um, you know, I live up uh, near the schools on uh, Wall Street, and I've got the service at my house. Um, so, you know, we're we're hitting pretty far west, and then again, you start getting into more trees. The further, uh, I'm sorry, the east, the further east you go, the more trees you get as you get into the forest. And then, uh, this is a line of sight service. You know, you we've got to be able to see one of our towers, one of our antennas, to get a signal to you. Yeah, and just as with as with the further reach uh, service, um, which right. are often some, sometimes called WISP, as in wireless internet provider, um, where yes. um, unlike a unlike a cell phone connection, which uses a much stronger radio signal and different frequencies, um, these wireless internet uh, services, these fixed point um, uh, internet services, require a line of sight. You, your house needs to, or your business, or your roof. Um, or the top of yes. your barn or a tall tree in your property or the tower or the pole that you might put up needs to actually have an uninterrupted view of your, um, your, your, your site, um, whether it's in Baltimore or one of the relays. Correct. And so one of the first things we do is, you know, we go out to someone's site with a, you know, with a ladder and a pair of binoculars and we'll just get up on the roof and be like, okay, yep, I can see this one. Let's do it. Or it's like, oh, no, you got your, the house, three houses down, it's got a big tree in their front yard and it blocks everything. So we'll let you know when there's an access point over, you know, north of you instead kind of thing. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's one of the interesting technologies or one of the interesting aspects of this technology that I've seen um further reach employee really creatively where sometimes they are will bounce a signal off of somebody's roof um you know if if person a can see their tower and person b can see person a mm -hmm. <laughs> then person yeah which b can benefit from it Exactly, and and our uh, our equipment can do the same thing. We, we have we, we only have one uh, one person to set up on a uh, setup like that now, mostly because we're trying to make sure that all of our access points are uh, battery backed up in solar panels or generators. And if we're bouncing off someone's house, we don't necessarily have the battery capacity out of individual's house to guarantee uh, service there. But that's absolutely something that we want to be able to do. You know, daisy chain that signal along so that we can hit some of these harder to reach areas. I would think Fort Bragg would be a great um, location relative to a lot of other places in the county because of the geography. It's relatively flat. It's not, you know, and most of it is not hugely forested. 
Um, it's, and Bald it's, Hill it's pretty, is, a big, <laughs> is a big hill. Yeah. Bald Hill is very tall, and Forbreg seems very flat until you're actually up on a roof going, man, this hill is a little bit taller than we thought. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's for me, yeah. on, a, that's for me on, a, on, on the ground and not, a, not an antenna. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm not looking at it through an antenna's eyes. <laughs> yeah. And then, so, and then the open-air connection uh, it is an Internet-only connection. So, you know, our Fusion is always a bundled product with the phone and Internet. And we have a lot of people who are, you know, going to cell phone only so that they're, um, you know, so they're looking. So so they want an internet-only product, uh, and then for the people who do want to keep their phone, you know, we we've paired the digital phone service um, so that it's you know a, 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 a digital phone service plus the open air connection comes in right around seventy-one dollars, which is a, you know actually a dollar cheaper than our current fusion rates. So we, mm. we try to price it, um, you know, re, very affordable and uh, you know and and much faster speeds for most people getting on their DSL right now. Yeah. Well, now on on the DSL subject. Um, just as wireless internet has its own interesting limitations as far as line of sight, DSL has its own interesting limitations as far as being within a radius of like the phone company office or something like that. So where, where, where do those boundaries fit in with your, with the, with Fusion service? So the Fusion service um, comes out of the central office in Mendocino and Fort Bragg. So the central office in Fort Bragg is located across uh, from City Hall on the 400 block of Franklin. And then the Mendocino central office is behind Harvest Market there, right across from the vet. Um, uh, I forget the name of that street there. And um, as the cable runs, DSL will go about three miles, but at three miles away, you're limited to about 1.5 megabit down, 0.3 megabits up. Mm -hmm. If you're in the first 4,000 feet right in town, yeah, we can get you 20 to 50 down and we can get you, you know, one to four up. Um, but not everybody lives in that first 4,000 feet, you know, between the central office of town. In fact, most people live just beyond that. Yeah. So for for most people, most people in town, you know, can get to you know in the twenty to fifteen kind of megabit range, which is, uh, you know, for for streaming Netflix, you know, for uh, for you know watching TV that sort of thing, it works really well. You know, you need a you need about five megabits for a high definition stream. Um, so you can you can have two movies going at a time and and be okay on that type of service. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So, um, and that's the kind of thing where, well, if somebody is interested in, in, in exploring, you know, um, um, some broadband options, it probably is worth a call to uh, take yeah. them and to kind of talk about, because there are so many different, I mean, just what you've described between, well, there's Fusion, there's the new wireless uh, service in Fort Bragg, there's with or without phone service bundled in there there's a there's a lot of uh there's a lot to talk about and actually yeah. the new and improved mcn website <laughs> yes if you haven't been to that, the mcn yeah, if you haven't first time and it's like wow it's it's in the 21st century <laughs> yes i we upgraded it for the first time since 2009 uh it's all modern mobile friendly we actually got on a server with a secure certificate uh so it's it's really yes. great if you haven't been to the mcn site lately you know give it take it a look i'm uh I, I'm, I'm very proud of it. I, I've spent a lot of, I put a lot of hours into making it look good and fast it does look and good. go well. Thank you. Um, and 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 let me also, Jim, while we're, uh, I want to say that your whole fishing topic from the first half hour is a super important one for us as well because we've got thousands of email customers and we deal with people who's who fall for these phishing scams and their passwords get compromised and and then the the most common thing we see is that we see people, uh, you know, people start the spammers start using their 
accounts to send spam. We will also see where they will actually log in and download all the mail that's on the server and then start replying to all those emails saying, hey, can you look at this attached document? And then there's a virus or something in the attached document, you know, and it, but it looks like it came from the person you know because, hey, here's that message I sent to them. Um, you know, so we've actually, we've done, a, uh, there's a lot of things that we do on the phishing side. You know, we, we recently um, added some additional blocks to like where emails can come from to make sure that they're coming from the real source and not from a fake source. Nice. We block, we started blocking a lot of uh, Amazon cloud servers that are, are used for, you know, big phishing farms. Um, we, you know, verifying if a message is coming from Gmail, it's actually coming from a Gmail server. You know, a lot of things to kind of start, you know, limit the amount of phishing that people get. And and a lot of them still come through. We uh, MCN has been the target of phishing scams where they've copied our webmail page so and sent people email um, saying, hey, you've got a voicemail from us click this link you know so 100 if you're not sure uh, it's probably fake um, call us if you're not sure uh, our new webmail security options actually lets you look at um, when you're in our webmail you can click on the security options it'll show you uh, recent logins so you can see if people have logged into your account um, and so there's there's some stuff there you know call mcn if you've got questions about that as well that's great stuff yeah you know that's a hugely valuable point i hadn't even considered obviously you know, phishing attacks affect individuals, but they represent a huge burden to internet providers. We we reject about 95% of all incoming messages to our servers. So when you are seeing the spam in your spam folder, that's of the 5% of messages we actually left through, and that's what we thought was spam on top of that. So that gives you a kind of idea of the scale that we're dealing with when it comes to phishing and scams and emails and junk, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Wow. Well, we have about a minute left, and I want to ask you a really kind of a loaded question about the 800-pound gorilla that is entering the broadband world, and that is Starlink. Yes. Um, it's not hugely widely available yet. It's still in beta. I've been playing with it, and I've been generally pretty impressed. Um, what do you think? So from what I've seen, um, I've, uh, we've tested our digital phone service with it. It works. Um, it, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, you've got to have a lot of view of the uh, of the sky right now. So there's a lot of people, again, who live in treed areas that it's not going to be the right solution for them. Um, but for the people who, who their house, they've got a good amount of clearance around their house and they can do have a good view of the sky, um, it's a pretty good product. The fact that it's a lower Earth orbit than the regular satellites means that they can push faster connections at lower latency. Um, um, that when compared to the hues and the wild blues and Viasats, you know, of the world. Um, so they've got some competitive advantage there. Um, th there. There's some potential. I don't think, you know, it's we're not going to move to everybody in the world's going to have that kind of service because it's not going to make sense to have every house in town with a big satellite on it. Right. But I think it's a great thing for a lot of the remote areas where, you know, where the fiber is not going to be there for a very long time. It just gets back to the one size does not fit all um, when it comes to Internet access in this part of the world. Absolutely. Well, Sage, thank you so very much for, for joining us tonight. Um, it's It's been amazing for me to watch MCN's evolution over the years and um, and, and really impressive to see that you're, uh, you're, you're continuing to push the envelope. And now then it was dial up and now it's broadband. And uh, the new the, the new uh, the new option for Fort Bragg sounds really compelling. And uh, and I wish you the, all the very best of luck in that. And, uh, and 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 come back sooner than like the five or eight years that it was since, uh, since we, we we had Mitch on way back. More than eight years because I've been manager for eight. So, yeah, it's oh, it's been yeah. a while. Way too yeah. long. That's incredible. <laughs> I haven't aged a bit. 
Yes. Dave Statham from the Mendocino Community Network. Thank you again for joining us. Um, folks, we are out of time. Stay tuned for the one and only radiogram with the one and only Jamie Roberts. In the meantime, we will be back with more of this madness, Point and Click Radio, two weeks from now. And also Sunday, Sunday, Sunday evening jazz um, uh, is, is my turn. And I will see you at, uh, at 8 o'clock on Sunday. In the meantime, thanks again for listening and good night. This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.